0: So let's turn to 2 Kings 4 38 to 44. This is the passage that we're talking We're in the Elisha series and um, this is the verses that I've been given and look they're full of life and they're going to encourage you. I've got a pretty simple message this morning. It's not going to be a hard message but it's well it's not going to be a hard message to hear but it might be a hard message to put into practice. So let's take it and let's hear what the Spirit of God is saying to you because I believe he wants to speak specifically to you this morning from what I'm reading. 2 Kings 4, verse 38. Elisha now returned to Gilgal and there was a famine in the land. That's important. There was a famine in the land. One day as the group of prophets were seated before him, he said to his servant, put a large pot on the fire and make some stew for the rest of the group. One of the young men went out into the field to gather herbs and came back with a pocketful of wild goods. He shredded them and put them into the pot without realizing they were poisonous. Some of the stew was served to the men, but after they had eaten a bite or two, they cried out, Man of God, there's poison in this stew. So they would not eat it. Elisha said, Bring me some flour. Then he threw it into the pot and said, Now it's all right. Go ahead and eat. And then it did not harm them. One day, a man from Baal, Shalisha, brought the man of God a sack of fresh grain and 20 loaves of barley bread made from the first grain of his harvest. Elisha said, give it to the people so they can eat. What? His servant exclaimed, feed a hundred people with only this. But Elisha repeated, give it to the people so they can eat, for this is what the Lord says, everyone will eat and there will be some left over. And when they gave it to the people, there was plenty for all and some left over, just as the Lord had promised. So if we look back at the beginning of verse 38, it says there was a famine in the land. And in this case, this famine was a shortage of food. But the definition of famine is actually broader than that. The definition of famine is extreme scarcity, unfulfilled hunger starvation of any kind. And so I guess this pretty well sums up the experience of these people. Extreme scarcity, in this case, of food. Unfulfilled hunger, they were starving and for food. But I think that it can also sum up um, what's in our days as well as those days. And I think that there is a famine today... And I think that the greatest famine is one of human need. There are multitudes of people today who are starving for love and affection, longing to be fulfilled and needed by somebody. And you know, in the 21st century in Western society, we're not experiencing famine as far as food is concerned at all. We have actually the opposite. But many people are experiencing personal famine in their lives. If we look to that definition, extreme scarcity, maybe of relationship, whether it be with people or with God, unfulfilled hunger, how many people have this emptiness within them and they're striving to fill it, unfortunately not with the right things, starvation of any kind. And the thing that came to me, the question that really, as I read this, and I was, this is a couple of weeks ago, or I was, I was overseas, and I just stopped and I thought, I need to hear from God about what you want me to say for this uh, message. And the, the question that was clear to me is, what do you focus on during times of famine? Now, whether the famine be in your, you know, it could be the fact that you're going through, you know, that your health's not great, and that, you know, that that. There's a scarcity of health within you at that time. It could be anything. Let's think about the difficulties that we face that cause us to feel desperate and needy. That's what a time of famine is. And the question is, what do we focus on during those times? Now, I can say to you that if you're hungry, what do you focus on? Food. You just think about how you can get what you're going to do, you know, you can the next meal, the next thing that you need to eat. It's just natural. We focus on that because we're hungry and our stomachs sort of urge us to focus on that and partially God made us that way so that we will eat and not starve. What about when we feel we're going through hard times? We feel lonely. We feel empty. Maybe bereft. Maybe, you know, scared because of health What do we focus on? Well, it's really hard. Would you agree with me it's hard not to focus on the problem? But that's usually what we focus on. But when you think about that, what we are really focusing on is the lack in our lives. We're focusing on the lack. And God actually is a person that comes to give life in all its fullness, complete, everything and more than we need. And so God, I really believe, is saying us to this morning, what are you going to focus on during these times of famine? Are you going to focus on the lack or are you going to focus on the miracle? You see, in this portion of scripture, Elijah, they're starving. They're lacking food. And it's very easy to focus on that, but Elijah actually didn't. He thought, there's an answer for this. Let's look for the answer. Let's get that so we can go on with what God has for us. And when we focus on the lack, the things that we're really struggling with all the time, when it just becomes our total focus, actually what it can do is two things. It'll either drive us to, to depression where we feel everything is hopeless and we just feel like giving up. Or what it will do is it will drive us to sort of try and struggle to find an answer. And we'll run around. We'll try and talk to people or look up books or tapes. And we we desperately try to do something so that we can solve the problem ourselves. But, you know, when that happens, our famine will actually get greater. It will become greater than what it was. And, you know what we expect during times of famine is actually expressed in how we talk. Stop and listen to yourself. What we say is what we expect. People say, I'm having a bad day. What else would you expect given my circumstances? Or, things always go wrong for me. I never... And so on. Or, I'm just waiting for the next bad report from the doctor. People begin... Like people express by what they say and you have to listen to yourself sometimes to to realise you're actually expressing and focusing on the lack in your life. So focusing on the lack is one way we can approach our famine that, that we may be experiencing and what will happen? It will lead to hopelessness and despair because there's no answer in the lack. The alternative is to look for the miracle during times of famine, as Elisha did. And what that really means is that we're looking for God in the situation. Expect God to be God. He is awesome. He is powerful. He is supernatural. This is our God. The same today as he was in Elisha's day and will be tomorrow and forever. So let's just quickly look at these two miracles. Miracle one was during the famine, Elisha comes to the College of Prophets. There's about a 100 of them gathered together and he's there to teach. And he realises that they're starving. And he looks at them and he thinks, well, they're not going to listen to my teaching if they don't get fed. So he thought, I've got to solve this problem. It's a lack. But there's an answer and the answer will be in God. And so what he did was, he got his servant to get the great pot, which is usually sort of standing, you know, over the fire, and he said, make a nourishing soup in it. Now, there was nothing actually to put in the pot, but he said, get the pot And he believed that God will provide what was needed. He believed and trusted God for the miracle he thought. Yeah, there's nothing here. These people need food. There's a lack. But I'm focusing on God. Let's act and trust God to provide what is needed. And sure enough, the next thing you read and think they're making the stew. So God obviously provided what was needed. He had to exercise his faith for that to happen. And when we have lack in our lives and we want to see God, it is faith that you need to exercise. You need to trust God that he is going to bring the answer. I loved Lisa sharing with me this morning. Her grandson lost his bike and his, her, um, his, his parents, her daughter and son-in-law, were upset about this because it was an expensive a scooter or something. And um, Lisa's raising her eyes. Upset's probably not the best word. But anyway, they were annoyed. And um, Lisa said, it's okay. I believe God is going to find it. So immediately, instead of looking on, what am I going to do? The bike's lost. Focusing on the lack, she immediately thought, God will bring the answer to this. And so they're saying, you know, of course they weren't very happy about that response. But Lisa um, put it up on Facebook that that God was going to bring this bike back. You know, and people, they looked around and the bike didn't come back. It was it was out at the Spears Point, wasn't it? Spears Point. And, um, but you know, a week later, so the, who was it founded? The caretaker found this bike behind a tree a week later. And people are talking to her about, I can't believe this story that, you know, about how the bike got returned. And, and so, you know, if you focus on God... And trust him, it is faith, it is faith. Because honestly, you'd think, oh, this will never come back. And we can look at the lack. But we focus on God and we see him as the answer. He is the one who will do. And we, but we need to trust him to do it. It involves action. It involves faith. Now, some of the young men were not as sure as Elijah that, um, Elisha, sorry, that uh, God would provide. And so they thought they'll do their bit. And that's sometimes what happens. We tend to sort of think, well, I'm I'm not going to wait for God to do this. I'll go and do my bit. Um, I'll figure something out. Not saying that we don't don't, um, have things to do, but we've got to make sure that's what God wants us to do and not what we think. And so they raced out and looked for something out in the field to get, and they grabbed these wild goods, which are like cucumbers, and brought them back in and chopped them up and threw them in the stew, but they were poisonous. And, of course, we know that they were actually very bitter too, so that was good because the taste made people realise there was something wrong. And um, so immediately they, they couldn't eat and so Elisha needed another way to try and solve the problem. And so he said, bring me some flour. And he grabbed a handful of flour and threw it into the pot. And what was poison porridge suddenly became succulent stew. And um, everybody was happy to eat it. And they were well fed and able to listen to Elisha's teaching from that time on. It's interesting, isn't it? It's just flour that he threw in there. And, you know, God can take just everyday things And use them miraculously in our life. It's not always the most, like something's going to come, you know, whizzing out of nowhere. It's if something, you know, like out of aliens. It's just the everyday God takes (laughs) and uses in our lives to do supernatural things. Look for it. Look for it. Look for what God wants to do. And so, you know, Elisha's teaching to these prophets is clear. He's saying, Baal may look attractive. Things of the world may look attractive but they're poison to the mind and soul. These cucumbers may have looked fine to bring in and put in the stew, but they're actually poison to the mind and soul. We've got to be careful we don't grab onto things of the world to try and feed our soul because they're going to be poison to us. The other thing is he said that, you know, if you don't stir God's truth into what you're doing, into your ministry, then it 's not going to make the difference that it's needed it needs god 's truth to be stirred in to the melting pot of society so that healing and nourishment can satisfy hungry souls and there' so people are so desperate and need it and we need to make sure that in our conversations and in our relationships with people outside of of um, connections with as Christians, that we make sure that we stir God's truth into our conversations so they hear it and that their souls can be healed and nourished. But another important thing out of this lesson is that you can see in this, in this miracle that that man, I don't think that young man really was trying to poison the prophets. I don't think that he was intentionally trying to do the wrong thing. I think he was trying to help, but he made a mistake But through this, you know, then Elijah throws a flower in and everything's okay. And through this, it's showing that God not only forgives our sins, but he redeems our mistakes. Now, that's an encouragement, isn't it? Because we're human and we make mistakes. But if our heart is for God and we're after him, God will not only forgive us, but he will redeem our mistakes. He transforms them with a generous handful of his amazing grace. And as a result of that, that young man's efforts, which were sort of in the, you know, um, through Elisha were turned for good, God's glory could be seen. And if we allow God to be working in our hearts and in our lives, and even if we make mistakes, and we are going after God, then, then trust him. He will turn it around and it will be for his glory, not for ours, for his. And we need to make sure that if we do make mistakes, we repent, we confess, and then we allow God to do his work in us. Because I believe that mistakes are learning opportunities. I think that I'm sure that after that experience, that young man was a better cook after that time he would have been more careful about his ingredients I think that every time he saw that wild good that he would make sure that he would never touch that again and he would also remember about the miracle that Elisha had done by putting the flour in and that that how God works in a way that shows his power and his grace he would have learned a lot that through that mistake wouldn't he but also his mistake was an opportunity for God to providentially work all things for good. You know, this story is one of Elisha's great miracles. And, you know, if we look back and we, we don't, you know, he really went there to do teaching. That's why he went to that, that those, speak to those hundred prophets. We know nothing about what he taught them. We don't have any record of his sermons or anything from that to those days. But what we do have two and a half thousand years later is the record of the miracle of the poisonous stew being made right. And for two and a half thousand years, people have been hearing about that miracle. And so God turns what is meant for evil, he can turn it for good, even our mistakes. So you don't have to give up and think, I'm hopeless. I did this. It's okay. Bring it to God and give it, confess it and allow him to take it and work it for his good because it will bring glory to him. The story doesn't end with a group of, you know, prophets clutching their stomachs in pain and, and being ill, and, um, but instead it ends with them talking to each other about how great God is because he's done this amazing miracle in their midst, Now, the second miracle probably reminds you of one that you hear in the New Testament. It's talking about where this man brings a bag of grain, and um, it's a time of famine, remember, so there's not much around. And this man has got something, and um, he brings it to Elisha. And as a result of that, um, it's, it's multiplied to feed a lot of people with some left over. Does that bring back a memory? For those who, who aren't aware in the New Testament, Jesus did that. He fed 5,000 people with, with um, just some fish and bread of a little boy's lunch. And, and not only that, there were 12 basketfuls left over. So God, obviously, he's the same yesterday because he did it in Elisha's day. He did it in Jesus' day. So he can do it for us as well. God multiplies what we bring to him. And so we have to realize that God is always more than enough. Right? God is always more than enough. If we look at this um, story, the gift itself was this bag of grain. This man must have had a generous heart because it's famine. He would have had his family to feed. He would have had friends around who were starving. And he brings this, the first Uh, harvest, the first bag from his harvest, he brings it to Elisha. And that would mean also that he was willing to trust God. Because honestly, if if you're starving and you've got some food, the natural thing is to particularly to feed your family first. But he actually took his first fruits to Elisha, to the prophet. And that meant that he was trusting God, that even although there was short supply, that God would look after him. The other thing is that it's his best. It's his best offering. It's his first and his best that he takes to Elisha. And I think this teaches us some good lessons. Firstly, that in the midst of hard times, the appropriate response to God is to give. Give. Now that's a hard one because you might think, I don't have much to give. I, I haven't got much. You know, I don't get much in my pay packet. How can I give a tithe to God? It's just not enough to go around. But actually there is, because God is a God of more than enough. God is a God who multiplies with some left over, always. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. I can promise you that. Over and over again, I've seen that in my own life where I think there's not enough, I step out and act, and God always supplies, always, with more than enough. But you can't do this, you can't do this if your focus is on your lack. If your focus is on what you don't have, you're never going to give. Because you'll always be thinking, I have to keep this just in case. I can't let go of this. So you've got to focus on God. You've got to focus on him, who he is, and what he can supply in your life to be able to give in the hard times. It all so shows to me that this man obviously had been blessed because he had a bag of grain. But we are blessed to be a blessing. We are not blessed to keep things to ourselves. We are blessed... To, to share with others and if we are greedy and if we are selfish and we keep things to ourselves, I can tell you the blessing will soon go but you, you are, if you are blessed and you give, you will find the blessing will keep flowing, it will be, un, it will be limitless and that's just, I don't, I can't explain that but it's true and I'm sure many of you here this morning would give testimony to that. The other thing about this is that this man took this bag of grain. He didn't really think it would be enough to feed everyone. He was just doing what he needed to do and be obedient. So he takes the grain. But, you know, God is greater always than our expectation. Not only did this feed some, it fed all, and there was some left over. God is greater than what we can even imagine. So here's this man who brought the gift. What about the servant? What was his response? The servant, when Elisha says, take this grain, that's only one bag and there's a lot of people. The uh, the servant says to him, what? That's his response, his first response. Not like, oh, isn't it great that this man gave this grain? Let's see what we can do with it. His immediate response shows a lack of gratitude and certainly a lack of faith. He says, what? And then he goes on to say, feed 100 people with only this? Lacks faith totally. He also lacked obedience because he didn't act. He just stood there being insolent as far as I'm concerned. And, um, <laughs> and certainly questioning before Elisha, who's the prophet, who's just demonstrated the power of God by throwing a handful of flour into the stew We've seen this miracle and this servant stands there and says, Oh, I upset the baby. I'm sorry. <laughs> what? I probably, just, I probably re- spoke out too loudly. What? Feed a thousand, of, sorry, hundred people with this? And so the servant lacked gratitude. He lacked faith. He lacked obedience. And we've got to think, what is our response? When God calls us to step out and do something or God calls us to give, is our response. What? Look, I only get this in the pay packet every week. I can't possibly. Or what? Give my time? I've got to do this and this and this and this. I can't give any time to do this. That's lacking gratitude and it's lacking faith and it's lacking obedience. Because if God is calling us to do something or God is calling us to give something, then let me tell you that if he's calling us to, then he will provide more than we need. Our time will be multiplied. Our finances will be multiplied. I absolutely believe this. It's taught through the word of God over and over again, and and he's reminding us again today. But Elisha's response was, give it to the people so they can eat. He just wanted to look after the needs of the people. He wanted to act and make sure that people were cared for. That's what God's calling us to do. Make sure that we look after the needs of the people. And then he went on to say, For this is what the Lord says. He was obedient to what God said. We need to know what God is saying to us in his word. We need to know clearly what God is speaking to us in our hearts, and then we need to act on that. We need to be obedient. And he trusted God to be faithful. And the conclusion of that story is, and when they gave it to the people, there was plenty for all and some left over, just as the Lord had promised. God's promises are true. He is faithful. Do you trust him to be faithful in your life? In your time of famine, in your challenging times in your life, what are you looking at? What are you talking about What are you focusing on? God is saying to us this morning, open your eyes and see me. Look for what I'm doing. Look at what I will do in your life if you trust me. I've already shown you how much I love you. I've already shown you that. I will be everything that you need and more. You can trust me. And I think now we need to really say to God this morning, we need to respond to this in our own hearts. What are we going to do in our lives? Are we going to look to our own resources, try and solve the problems ourselves, and then find that we've got more lack than ever? Or are we going to say, God, I'm looking to you. I'm going to trust you. Even when this is hard, even in the midst of this, I can't see a way through, And I can't say that it's not on my mind and that's natural. I understand that's human. But then lifting our eyes and saying, God, even although I can't find a way through this, I know you are faithful. I know you will find a way. And I'd stand on your promises that you will make a way. You say you will make a way where there is no way. God promises that. And we need to trust him for that. And so let's stand together and let's sing that song that talks about broken vessels but it says I can see you now I'm opening my eyes God I am declaring that I look to you and you alone you are the answer and if this morning that you want to come and just stand to declare that I'm I'm seeing you God I'm not looking at the circumstance even although the circumstance is big and it seems beyond me but I'm 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 stepping out in faith and I'm going to say I'm going to look to you I'm going to look to you and trust you trust you to bring me through this and he will he will because he is faithful